Welcome back to Footsteps in the Attic, the podcast dedicated to all things strange and all things paranormal. Hope everyone is staying as cool as possible out there in this crazy hot weekend that we're having. Um, To distract you from this intense heat that is outside, we are going to be doing our question and answer episode today. This is technically the third one. Uh, I did a whole episode dedicated to questions and answers, and then I did a mini one, but I wanted to do another one because uh, I got a lot of positive responses to it, and to be honest, I just have a whole lot of fun, and I'm honored that some of you out there would even want my thoughts and opinions on random subjects that you were thinking of asking me, so thank you so much. I'm incredibly honored. Uh, So we're going to get right into the questions. I narrowed them down to 10. I got a handful and I was just like, wow, this is so much fun. But um, I didn't want to keep all of you on for more than 20 minutes or so. (laughs) Because that's a lot to ask people to hang in there and listen (laughs) to. So uh, we're going to keep this to 10 questions. So the first question is from Chris. And he said, what are my thoughts on Krampus? Now... I'm assuming you're asking, do I believe in Krampus? And I have to say, I believe in Krampus as much as I believe in Santa Claus, which is no, but I absolutely love Santa Claus and Christmas. So hence, I have to love Krampus because Krampus is kind of the uh, yang of the yin and yang of Santa Claus. In some cultures, Krampus is sort of the counterpart of Santa. He is, uh, in some cultures, he is literally one of uh, St. Nicholas's um, companions. And in many cultures, Krampus is its own entity. And I absolutely love it. He's depicted as sort of like a horned demon in Santa Regalia. (laughs) He has a birch tree, uh, or I I should say birch branches in his hand in which he whips bad children with and kidnaps them and takes them to his cave. And according to whatever uh, part of the world you live in, Krampus does anything from punishing the children to eating them. So I have to respect the dark side (laughs) of Krampus. Um, Some have speculated that Krampus is actually pre-Christian and he is the horned god of witches and that the birch tree branches, in fact, are linked to initiation rites with certain covens. And it is believed that the chains on Krampus come from Christianity, which is sort of like a symbol of binding the devil or chaining up Satan. So I think it's really fascinating. I love that there's a whole Krampus run that is done in Europe and sort of like this parade that's done in honor of Krampus because we all have to appreciate the dark side with a wink and a smile. So I even own a Krampus t-shirt. So Krampus is cool in my book, (laughs) even though I'm team Santa Claus all the way. I have a Santa tattoo, so I have to love Santa Claus. Um, Roz asks, and thank you for asking this question what my favorite funny horror film is. And that is so hard to answer that I had to write three down. And these are really off the top of my head, but um, 
I'm sure I'm going to think of more and go, oh, I should have said this one. But I'm going to go with Love at First Bite with George Hamilton, where he plays Dracula, which I think is, it's really underrated, and I recommend checking it out. Um, Transylvania 6-5000 with Ed Begley Jr. and um, Jeff Goldblum. I laugh every time I see that movie. I view it as a classic. And of course, when I was little, I was obsessed with watching Abbott and Costello movies every Sunday. They would play them. So my favorite episode of Abbott and Costello was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And it had all the classic movie monsters in it, the Universal Monsters, Lon Chaney as the Wolfman, Bela Lugosi as Dracula. You had them all in there. It was just great. And we had Frankenstein. And uh, if you haven't seen that episode, go find it. It's just really, uh, it's awesome. On <laughs> um, a more serious note, Mandy asks, what are the dangers of Leviathan? And I'm assuming you mean worship or attempting to conjure Leviathan. Well, Leviathan in, uh, I know uh, I'm Christian, but I know in the Jewish faith, uh, Leviathan is often depicted as a water serpent, like a giant water serpent. Um, in Christianity, he's sort of regarded as one of the seven princes of hell and the demon of envy. And I just have to tell you, I hope you're not thinking of doing any sort of conjuring because Leviathan has been linked to many cases of possession. Uh, it's very dangerous, so please be careful. And I would just say, please just stay away. Um, dangerous stuff right there. Uh, Gene asks if there are any places to investigate that I would recommend in Yonkers. Uh, Gene, if you're from Yonkers, you might know this already, but I would say Untermeyer Park. Um, it was the site, in, it, it was basically back in the heyday, a very elaborate park with beautiful, like 2000 year old columns that they had imported from Europe. And then it kind of fell into disarray. And in the 70s, it became a big satanic ritual site. And it's even the park where um, the Son of Sam killer um, sort of hashed out all his killings. And there was a particular part of the park called the Bird Cage, where he did a lot of his plotting. And he, um, David Berkowitz, had said, I think my dog is talking to me, his black Labrador. And he would take his dog to the park, and it was just, uh, it's basically crawling with a lot of energy and raw activity. So I would say go, try to go early. I would not recommend going to the park at night. I'm not even sure you could go there at night if you're allowed, but there are many areas where you can uh, explore, even an area of the park called the Devil's Cave, which was a big ritual site. Um, I'm sure you will get some. EVPs at the very least, but I will say in all good faith, please be careful. It's not a place where there's positive energy. So go with caution and go if you're experienced. Um, Mike asks what my approach to ghost hunting is, and I really appreciate this question. It's kind of hard for me to describe because everybody has their own theories. I think a lot of ghost shows or ghost... Um, you know, ghost groups will go in with a skeptic mind and their attempt is to disprove before they can prove. Mine is a little different. I go in believing 
there is probably um, activity because why else would I be called to investigate something or why would I go to a place that has such a rich history if there was no activity at all? But while I'm there, if I can disprove something, then of course I will do that. But I more often than not take the energy and the viewpoint as something is here because I personally believe paranormal activity exists much more often and on a much more common um, basis than people believe because it's essentially its own world within our world. It's just the, the mirror side of our world, in my opinion. So that's my, I would say, philosophy in a nutshell. Um, Ghosty, which awesome name, asks, and I, I'm not sure if this is a real question, but I just liked it anyway. Do I believe in gremlins? Um, no, I don't believe in gremlins, but I think it was an awesome movie in the 80s, and obviously gremlins existed before the film. In um, 1920s, the Royal British Air Force labeled gremlins as basically creatures who would attempt to sabotage their aircraft and cause a bunch of chaos. But um, when I was asked this question, I dug into the name Mogwai, which I, which I found out in Cantonese does mean monster or evil spirit. Because if you'll remember in the movie, they called the gremlins Mogwai. And in the Chinese culture, Mogwai are known to be sort of inhuman creatures that are meant to harm humans. And they reproduced sexually during rainy seasons, which I found interesting because if you'll remember in the movie, they said, don't get water on them. And that in the movie is when they would reproduce. So I thought that was really cool. So somebody clearly did their research in the 80s on the Gremlins film. So awesome. <laughs> I say awesome a lot. I do realize that, by the way. Um, Jessica asks, can you attract evil with a homemade Ouija board? And the short answer is 100% yes, because it's not the quality of the board you're using. It's the energy you're putting into it. So you can take the most basic objects and make a, a completely makeshift Ouija board and have activity occur. It's all about your approach and the energy and the belief and fear that you're putting into it. Now, I'm going to say, please don't do this. Don't make one at home if that's what you're thinking of doing, because you will open up a gateway, a doorway to something that could potentially be stuck with you for the rest of your life. So please don't make one. But if your question is just, can evil come by you writing down some symbols on a piece of paper and using a glass and a homemade planchette? Yes, yes, it can, but please don't. <laughs> um, Wit asks, why is it good to approach ghosts with respect? And I'm assuming you meant in your question, like, why be respectful when you're going to go on a ghost hunt? Um, and that is, why would you be respectful approaching another human being? Um, because you will not then anger them and not cause some form of negativity back at you. There is a form of investigation called provocation, where you go with the intent of irritating a spirit for a reaction. And I think you should only do that if you're more experienced. 
I did that in the documentary um, The Witch of Hinsdale, and we did have repercussions from it. If you go to irritate a spirit, you could very well get a response that you're not prepared for. So by treating a spirit with respect, you will then, in most cases, not all, get respect in return and hopefully have a relatively uh, benevolent experience. But I can tell you from a friend of mine who went to a witch's burial site, she provoked the witch and she said, well, you know what? I'm going to take pictures of you and I have my phone and there's nothing you can do about it. And she put her phone down for a split second on the witch's gravestone. And when she turned her head back around, her phone was completely gone, nowhere to be found. And she had the worst luck befall her. I mean, she had a series of terrible, terrible things happen to her. And she firmly believed it was all because she went to this place and taunted the witch. And um, long story short, she ended up bringing flowers back to this particular gravesite and apologized. And after that, guess what? All this bad luck and bad things that occurred to her started to lift. And I'm happy to report that today she has a pretty happy life. So just wanted to throw that out there. Be careful and approach all investigations with respect. Um, Piper asks, which I love this question, who was the best Dracula ever? Now, Dracula is a broad, I mean, my God, that's a broad subject because you've had everyone from Gary Oldman to Leslie Nielsen play Dracula. Um, but I'm going to go with the classics. I referenced Bela Lugosi earlier. I think you've got to say he's the definitive Dracula. But a close second would be Christopher Lee. Because I used to watch those old Dracula movies when I was a kid every Sunday. And Christopher Lee always had this scary look on his face. So, again, got to go with Bella at number one. But Christopher Lee uh, at number two. And uh, random trivia, I used to work at a wax museum. And at night, when the lights would go out, and I was by myself walking down these floors with these eerie figures. We had a Bella Lugosi figure, and he had the most intense eyes. And I believe I was told that part of the figure's wardrobe was actually worn by Bella. And there was a couple of occasions, I'm not going to lie, where I got a little creeped out just staring into this figure's eyes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to keep taunting the energy here because you never know. <laughs> Um, and we're at about almost the 15 minute mark. So I'm going to end this with Rain's question. And by the way, that's a beautiful name. Um, do I know any non-believers who had an experience which made them paranormal believers? And I will say yes, a hundred percent. I've had many, but one in particular was a family member of a coworker. I should say at a former job. And his sister bought a picture, an old Victorian picture, and put it in a frame. And she was a non-believer and just wanted it for the aesthetic. And the picture kept moving. And I don't mean like just a little off the, you know, off the hinge a little bit. No, I mean it would wind up in a completely different spot, either on the wall or on a shelf, on the floor. Um, she was genuinely freaked out and she started also hearing 
voices of a crying girl at night. Now, surprisingly, she didn't throw the photograph out. She put it in one of those little plastic bins that you slide under your bed. And uh, (laughs) it didn't take long, though. I don't think the energy that was attached to the photo liked that experience because uh, I, I think it took it as a sign of disrespect because one night when his sister was sleeping, the entire bed moved. And I'm not just talking like a few inches. I mean, it was like, boom, against a wall. And she had a scratch mark on her leg. So it was shortly thereafter that she got rid of the photograph. She uh, couldn't get that out of her place fast enough. But that is just a small example of a non-believer quickly becoming a believer. Um, So, hey, be careful of the old stuff that you bring into your household. I myself will always have that problem because I love antiques. I love Art Deco. I love old stuff. So I will not be heeding that warning. But the rest of you should if you don't want any kind of paranormal experience. Anyway, this has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to this. We're going to be doing some great topics coming up. And uh, I look forward to the next episode. For Brian Hobson, who is me, this is Footsteps in the Attic. <laughs>